to spur each other on to Christ-likeness. Lord, we pray for your blessing over all of our community groups this year so that we may flourish as Christians for your praise and glory and so that more and more people would find the joy of salvation in your son, Jesus. Lord, we bring before you Carolyn and Stuart Starr and their kids Ruby and Isaac. Thank you for this joyful, faithful and hard-working family whom you've called to Oran Park. We praise you for raising up New Life Anglican Church and giving them so many opportunities to bring the joy and hope of new life in Jesus to the community there. Lord, would you strengthen Stuart and Carolyn for service as they consider the year ahead and spare them from feeling overwhelmed by all that lies before them. Give them a contagious zeal for you that moves their family and others to acknowledge you and depend on you for all things big and small. Lord, in your kindness, we ask that you'd allow their time in your word individually and as a family to be rich, refreshing and marked with awe of you and that their prayers would be marked by a desire to seek your strength, your help and your wisdom. Lord, as we pray for our world, we pray today for the new US president and his new administration in the US. We ask that at this time of uncertainty of new leadership for many in America, it would spur people on to turn to you and depend on you. May you indeed bless the people of America by allowing many to find their peace and hope in a right relationship with you through Jesus, rather than pinning their hopes on any president or administrator. We pray for Christians and churches in the US who worship Jesus as their Lord and Saviour over the next four to eight years, that you would allow them a growing and stronger voice that speaks of the true and eternal promises of the gospel so that many would be saved. We do pray that America would be led with truth, wisdom, trustworthiness, compassion and a deep sense of the worth of each individual that makes up America. We pray, Lord, that you turn the President's heart towards yours so that you may be glorified through this man of great influence. For the unfathomable joy of being known by you, God, we cannot find words. We long to give you our all for you this week because we love you. All praise to you, our Lord and King. There is none like you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Morning, friends. Andrew's my name, and we're going to spend some time together reading God's Word. Our reading this morning is taken from the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through to chapter 5, verse 2. And that can be found on page 949 of the Church Bibles. That's Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Jesus, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Good day, all. We haven't met. My name's James Lewis. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister here and uh, have the privilege of opening up God's Word with you this morning. Uh, it's a strong text, isn't it? Uh, Ephesians 4. And, and so I wonder what reaction uh, produced in you. Perhaps you felt judged and criticised as we read it. Perhaps you felt crushed and beaten up. Perhaps you felt strangely confident or even, dare I say, a little proud as you thought, well, that's not me, I don't do those things, I'm not like that. A strong passage can produce strong reactions. Whatever your reaction, I want us to see this morning that Ephesians 4 is a wonderful, beautiful gift from God for us. Because remember, we've been in our series, our summer series, 180 Degrees, and we've been seeing that when Jesus meets uh, when we meet Jesus and Jesus changes our lives, he doesn't just play with the edges of our lives, but he goes deep. He changes our hearts, our minds, our, our destinies, our hopes, our dreams. He transforms everything. And, and so we've seen over the last few weeks that when people meet Jesus, they go from lost to found, from foolish to wise, from slave to free, and today, from old to new. As Ev kind of showed us with the, uh, with the T-shirts and the, and the kids' talk. Uh, we go from old to new, not just a new T-shirt, right? Um, not just a new wardrobe, but our lives change, our whole lives change. Uh, so I'd love for you guys to be having your Bibles open, uh, following along, uh, so you can see where we're getting everything from. And I'd love for you to join with me as I ask God to help us understand this morning. We pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're a God who doesn't just play with the edges of our lives, you don't just ripple across the surface of our lives, but you go deep. And so we ask this morning as we consider that again, that you would incline our hearts to your word, that you give us a desire to know your truth. We ask also as you, as we, as you do that, that you would open our eyes to see the treasure that is in your word, that this will be a really fruitful and helpful time. And as you do those two things, we ask that you would uplift us and strengthen us to be more like the Lord Jesus. 
We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, there's three things uh, we're going to see today, and you can follow along on the outline. Uh, the first of those, old to new, not morality, but a battle for our hearts. Uh, and so I'd love for you to look at verses 17 to 19 again with me. Uh, it says there, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Again, it's strong, isn't it? Very strong. But it's really important to see that this is not talking about morality. It's not talking about you trying to uh, be a good person or you trying to clean up your act, but it is deeply relational towards God. Because the key thing, the ground zero, the core problem for us is there at the end of verse 18. Hardening of our hearts towards God. Now, you might not feel that you've ever done that. You might think, well, I, I kind of like God. I feel positive towards God. God and I get on quite well. He does his thing and I do mine. Ah, there's the problem. Because God is not an acquaintance or a friend that we occasionally see and catch up with and enjoy company with. No, God is the creator of the universe. And he's created this beautiful world for us to enjoy and to enjoy life with him, under him, and enjoy relationship with each other in that way. But we, each in our own way, we have pushed God aside and said, no, no, I will run life my way on my terms. And God, you can just stay out of the way until I need you. That's the hardening of our hearts towards God. That's the core problem. See, the core problem for each of us is not our relationship status. It's not what comes out of our mouths. It's not what we might Google. It's not what goes through our minds. The, the, the core problem is our hardening of our hearts towards God. Verse 18 says that leads to a separation from God. And when you are separated from the God who made you and knows what's best for you, then Ephesians 4 says that leads to a futile and hopeless existence. The Christians in Ephesus, this letter was written to a church in Ephesus in modern Turkey, would have seen this futile, hopeless existence as they saw their friends, their neighbours, their workmates uh, heading up to the pagan temples again and again to offer up prayers and sacrifices, uh, offering up their hopes, their, their dreams, pouring out their hearts, longing for blessing and security and asking that of a statue, futile and hopeless. We see it in the materialism of our culture, the air that we breathe. Everything around us says the way that you can be happy is to accumulate more stuff. The more stuff you have, the happier you will be. We see that pressure at Christmas, don't we? All the advertising is says more toys, more decorations, more food. That's how you have a good Christmas. And yet, it doesn't satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. Because it was never meant to. It's just stuff. We were made for relationship with God and each other. That's where we satisfy our deepest longings, in relationship with God and each other. So you know what God wants most from you? Not a middle class morality. Not that you try to be a better person. Not that you clean up your act. What God wants most from you is you. He wants your heart. He wants to take that old hardened heart and give you a new heart. He wants to make you new. So you see, we're not talking about morality here. We're talking about a battle 
for our hearts. And then secondly, old to new. We're not talking about ethics and morals, but you. We see that in verses 20, 21. Have a look there with me. It says there, that, how, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. That's talking about becoming a Christian, about meeting Jesus, getting to know Jesus. I remember a friend of mine, Neil, put it so beautifully and wonderfully. Uh, and every time I think about it, it kind of gives me goosebumps what he said. Um, We've been doing Christianity Explored together and so that meant we were reading through Mark's story of Jesus and then he was reading through Mark himself during the week, checking it out for himself at his own pace. Uh, and after a few weeks, uh, he, he said this thing. He said, I always knew that Jesus was real, like a historical figure who lived, but now I'm seeing that Jesus is real. Goosebumps, right? As he was reading Jesus' story in Mark, he was meeting Jesus. He was getting to know Jesus, which is why we love running Christianity Explored here at Norwest. It's coming again in term two. Uh, wait for the big kind of promo later this term, but check that out. Uh, be ready for it. We love to run Christianity Explored because we love to see people meet Jesus, get to know Jesus. That's what 2021 is talking about, those verses. You see, Christianity isn't a philosophy. It's not a movement. It's not a set of rules or an idea or a concept. It's not even a set of beliefs. Christianity is a person, Jesus Christ. Do you see? It's personal. It's relational. It's not about ethics and morals. And so when someone meets Jesus, when they become a Christian, he doesn't just change our beliefs. He doesn't just change our schedule so that we do something different on Sunday from what we're used to. He changes us, our hearts, our ambitions, our dreams, our hopes. He, he moves us from old to new. And so that's what that long list in verse 25 onwards, where all those things are listed off, that's what that's talking about, the move from old to new. We put off lying and holding grudges and being passive-aggressive and stealing and hurtful and damaging words. We put off bitterness and rage and anger and so on. And we put on love and we put on compassion and truth and kind and gentle words forgiveness we move old to new it's so important that we see that that it's old to new it's not just put off old I remember when I was a teenager and and I'd just become a Christian and I was kind of confronted with all these things that I needed to change. Um, Swearing, crude jokes all you know, just, just felt like there was a lot, right? As a teenager and And what happened is that over time it began to feel like being a Christian was just a negative thing. Like stop that, don't do that, don't talk about that, don't go there, don't watch that. You know, just always negative, you know what I mean? And then an older Christian man really helpfully showed me through his own example and and reading the Bible together. He showed me that following Jesus is not just putting off, it's also putting on. Following Jesus isn't just putting off, it's putting on. It wasn't just negative, it was positive. Old to new. That is so helpful. Because when you're battling with something, it can feel all-consuming, right? You're just fighting against not doing something. So it might be that someone hurts you and you feel angry and, and you kind of want them to pay. But you think, no, that's not right, I shouldn't feel that way, I should 
just you know feel more positive and and yet every time you see them every time you think about what they did that that anger rises up again and and i shouldn't feel that way i should battle it and it's just really hard or maybe it's that you see someone who seems to have a much better life than you you know they seem to have better relationships better home better lifestyle better wealth better health it just and you think that's what i want and it's really hard you start to feel jealous envious you you resent them you think no that's not right I, i shouldn't feel that way that's not right and yet every time you think of them every time you see them there's that picture of what the life that you would really like and so the jealousy the envy rises up and and it's a struggle so if that's you it may not be those two things it may be something else here's the help that god provides the bible says don't just put off things put on the new life don't just try to stop the old self but put on the new self don't just try to fight against the negative, but pursue the positive. Pursue, replace sin with godliness. So instead of us saying, oh, I mustn't be angry, we say, Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to seek their blessing. Instead of saying, oh, I mustn't be jealous, say, Lord, help me to rejoice in the good things that you've given them and help me to learn contentment where I am. We put off and we put on. So following Jesus isn't just about battling against sin. It's pursuing and adding the new life that Jesus gives us. That's what it says at the end of verse 24. And to to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is the wonderful work that God is doing in us and amongst us. Now, it would be easy to hear all this and think, well, that's just some great helpful advice and good tips or something that we really feel on Sunday but forget on Monday. So we need to hear verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. The old to new is not just a kind of optional extra, but the Spirit of God, the Spirit that Jesus poured out upon the church, upon you, Spirit who dwells in us, the Spirit of God, is the seal, the family badge, where God says, you belong to me. You are precious to me. This church is precious to me. And so if we say old to new, it's just too hard. If we want to keep lying or bearing grudges or use people or gossip or use hurtful words, play games with each other, whatever it is, if we think, okay, we'll just, just stay there, The Spirit of God is grieved. He hurts. It's kind of like he says, can't you see what I'm trying to do? Are you serious? Can't you see how I'm trying to change you? What kind of church I could make you? Why do you want to keep wearing the old shirt and hanging on to the old shirt? I'm making you new. He's grieved. He hurts. And that's why verse... 31 says get rid of all bitterness rage and anger not some or a bit but all because those things are a cancer in us and in a church if we hold on to them uh, uh, Jane and I got the news uh, midway through last year that a, a good friend of ours uh, diagnosed with cancer it's always an awful terrible shock and so the next step surgery and so when they come out when the surgeon comes out of surgery. The, the good news that you want, you want to hear is, we got it all. 
We've got it all. You don't want to hear, oh, I don't know how much we got. We've got some of it. I think we got some. You don't want to hear that. You want to hear we got it all. That's what verse 31 is talking about. Rage and bitterness and anger and brawling and slander are like a cancer if we let them remain. And a cancer in a church. Get rid of all, says the Bible. That's the 180 that God is working in us. Not playing with the edges of our lives, but working deep within us. That's the new. Now, if you're anything like me, human, sinful, broken, fragile, then we hear all this and we think, oh, gee, there's a lot. I'm so broken. There's so much to work on. It's overwhelming. And we can just feel really overwhelmed and guilty. And if we stopped here this morning, that's exactly how we'd feel. But that's not where our passage ends. There are two more verses. Two more verses that show us old to new is always by God's grace. You see it in the therefore in chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. The therefore shows us that it pulls together everything that we've, we've heard so far. It shows us that what we're talking about here is not just behavior change or just trying to put on a brave face and fake it to keep other people happy. Because you can do that, right? You can, if you work really hard, you can change your behavior a bit. And you can fake it. You can put on the brave face. Uh, It's possible for husbands to pretend that they love church to keep their wives happy. It happens. We can fake it. We can work really hard at changing our behavior. But it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And eventually we stumble and fall back into our old ways. And so then we feel guilty and ashamed and embarrassed. So we try a bit harder and then we fail and we feel guilty and ashamed. And so we try a bit harder and then we fail. And we, and we end up in this cycle of feeling, of failing, feeling guilty and trying harder. And instead of a 180 degrees that God will work in our lives, we end up in this constant 360 of failing feeling ashamed, trying harder. And there's no peace there. There's no joy there. And that is not the reason that Jesus came into the world and lived amongst us and died and rose. He didn't come so that we could spin around in this 360 degrees of failure and shame and just trying harder. He came to bring that 180. So do you want to know what will really make the difference for you? Do you want to know that? I mean, we're not just going through the motions on Sunday. Do you you want to know what will make the difference in your life? Do you want to know what will move you from dry, dull obligation to real joy? Do you want to know what will move you from shame and guilt to security and delight? It's there in verses 1 and 2. This is so exciting. This is so good. Verse 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. See, it's not follow God's example so that God might love you. No, no, you're already dearly loved children, so follow your heavenly Father's example. And verse 2, And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you get that? Try this with me. In your head... Repeat this after me. Christ loved me and gave himself for me. 
in your head. Christ loved me and gave himself for me. So when you're tempted by sin, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. When you're burdened by shame and guilt, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. When you're crushed by doubts, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. As I think I've told you before, I try to start each day thanking God for a new day. As you live longer and you see people struck down by cancer and all sorts of horrible things, you realise each day is a gift, right? Every day is a gift. So you start each day thanking God for the new day. I think I'm going to add to that, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Pretty good way to start a day, right? So why don't we do that as a church? Why don't you start your day thanking God for the new day and saying Christ loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see how good this is? The test of whether you really get this is what you do when you mess up. When you stumble back into sin and you make a mess and you just feel awful, you feel ashamed and embarrassed. What do you do? Do you run to Jesus for forgiveness? Or do you try to fix it yourself? I'll clean it up, I'll sort it out, I'll try harder, I'll pray more. What do you do? Because the longer we're around churches and Christian things, the easier it gets to fake it, right? And the easier it is to think, because I feel bad, because I feel ashamed, and because I mean to try harder, then I'm repenting and growing. But all we're doing is playing with a sleeping lion. remember hearing the story uh, from South Africa, a bizarre story, and you'll understand when I tell you. Um, There's a clothing company that wanted to do a new swimsuit line and so they organised for a photo shoot with a young lady and she was going to model all the swimsuits. And someone in marketing thought, hey, why don't we put a sleeping lion in the photo and she can kind of model in in front of the lion and around the lion. I I don't understand marketing. I don't know how that works. Someone might explain why that sells swimsuits. I'm not sure. Um, But that's what they decided to do. And so there she is at the swimsuit doing her thing and the cameras were flashing away when suddenly the lion woke up and attacked her. Now she survived, but she had scars and was horribly mauled by the tiger, by the lion. And afterwards, apparently people said, wow, what a surprise. Like, we didn't see that coming. Like, he's always been so calm and docile. Like, it's never happened before. I don't know. You think, hello? He's a lion! (laughs) He's an eating, killing machine. If you dangle food in front of him long enough, he will attack and eat. It's crazy, right? And that is what we are doing when we think, I'm going to manage my sin myself. I'll I'll try harder, I'll pray harder, I'll I'll do better. We are just playing with a sleeping lion. And when you play with a sleeping lion, don't be surprised if he wakes up and gives you a mauling. I have seen good friends never speak to each other again. I've seen marriages and families torn apart. I've seen churches thrown into turmoil, all because someone thought that they could manage it themselves, cope with it themselves, handle it themselves. They were going to try harder. So what do you do when you stumble and you feel awful and ashamed and embarrassed? Do you try to fix it yourself, I'm going to try harder? Or do you run to Jesus? who loved you and gave himself for you, who forgives, who cleanses, who will transform. That's 
the old to new. We stop trying to run our lives without God, stop trying to do it on our own and we let Jesus be our good and gracious King and Saviour. Now, I don't know where you're at with all this. You might have heard about the Christianity Explored today and thought, I really need to do that. I need to find out about Jesus. You can let us know on the welcome cards if that's something you'd like to do. Well, you may just not know what the next step is. You're confused, in turmoil. If you'd like to talk with someone, to pray with someone, then let us know on the welcome cards and the staff will be delighted to find a time to sit down with you. But right now, I'm going to pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're a God who doesn't just ripple over the surface of our lives, but you go deep within us. You work a 180 degree because you love us and you long to see us flourish in all that you would have for us, to know the peace and joy that comes from Jesus. And so we ask that you would indeed help us to do that. Help us to let go of our pride and our self-will and surrender our lives to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing in Christ alone.